it really is about authenticity. You can communicate authentically, but using technology. So maybe a better question is, is it authentic or are we being authentic than kind of getting into the conversation about, but is it real? And what if people don't think it's real and things like that, but is it authentic? And I think a lot goes into authenticity and a lot of that is branding and just trust built over time. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. Welcome back, Rebel HR listeners. Extremely excited for the conversation today. I am just regretting that I did not hit record about 15 minutes ago uh, when Natalie and I were first talking. With us today, we have Natalie Monbio. She is the head of strategy at Hour One, which is an AI video generating platform used in onboarding and L&D. And we are going to dig into all sorts of things related to what they do at Hour One. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thanks so much, Kyle. So I want to expand upon uh, some of the work that you do as the head of strategy at Hour One. So, so if we could take a step back, uh, give us a little bit of an overview of what Hour One does and what your role is there. For sure. So it's all going to sound a little wild, maybe, but maybe not to your uh, rebel human resource audience. <laughs> uh, we are actually a virtual human company. And what we do is we create virtual humans that are based on real humans. And we do this with the purpose of enabling better communications and to enable higher productivity for, 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 for human beings in the workforce. Uh, so uh, we have a, um, a library of about 150 uh, virtual human characters that can be brought to life and animated just from text. And we enable uh, so content to be created in just minutes with the, the text-based content that you already have. And we also provide, uh, which is very new, immersive 3D environments. So you can create uh, uh, on-brand newsrooms or office spaces or way more imaginative uh, immersive backgrounds uh, that fit your uh, brand and business. And we'll co-create that with you will cast your virtual human. Uh, you can even become one yourself. And uh, and then we basically assemble that so that you can log on to our platform and just by entering text and uploading a few images, you can create these truly immersive 3D videos uh, presented by your virtual HR representative. It's it's really fascinating. And and as I was preparing for this conversation, you know, I was doing a little bit of research and I was out on the website and looking at it and... Um, I mean, these, these characters look real, you know, they look like somebody that you would see in a, some sort of like a training video or like on the news. So, um, you know, it's, it's really a, a fascinating approach. I'm curious, is, is, is the intent to create an experience, a, a communicative experience that feels real and then people pay more attention to it? Is that really kind of the, the, the theory of the, uh, of the work here? Yes, exactly. So the premise of what we do is that talking to a real human is the best way to communicate. In fact, face-to-face -face communications between two humans or uh, small world humans is the best way to relate. Uh, that said, uh, it's quite rare to be able to get into these situations, especially these days where 
a lot of communications are digitized. A lot of the ways that we engage are remote and digitized. Uh, and we also, one-to-one communications don't scale in the way that businesses require. And for the amount of messages and, com- and, uh, and communication that needs to happen. And so what we've done is we're doing our best to model that type of human-led communication uh, and uh, through AI to be able to scale uh, what we think um, is the best way to communicate and make that accessible to uh, all kinds of people that don't have video production skills, that don't have any coding skills, and that don't have the resources, the time, the resources being time or budget, uh, to create these types of human-led video experiences. It's it's really interesting because I feel like you just described my organization. It's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't have a full learning and development department. You know, I have I have a few uh, people that that help in that arena. I certainly don't have an on staff videographer. Um, and the best that we've been able to do, we've tried a couple like types of software where it's like it almost looks like um, like stick figure, like computer animation, and it's like you know, it's kind of kind of like a cheeky video and there's, you know, maybe some humor in there and it's, you know, it's, but it's like intentionally, um, cartoonish, right? So this, this to me strikes as maybe a little bit more, um, you know, more, more real, um, and, and potentially, um, you know, you'll get people to listen a little bit more seriously. Um, so yeah, I'm so curious, we, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we actually, cause so there's avatars at, I think avatars are something that's pretty common and prevalent these days. Uh, I know that you recently did uh, an episode on the metaverse, and you know, the metaverse is populated by the protagonists being avatars. So I think people are becoming familiar with that notion. Uh, we made a decision three and a half years ago when we launched the company to uh, focus on photo real uh, virtual humans or avatars, and to the, uh, emulate the expressiveness of a human being to uh, basically engage in in a way that is more relatable, in a way that you would engage with another human being. And uh, we model the expressiveness of real humans in our avatars. And we think that that is uh, a more powerful and personable and kind of friendly and professional way to communicate uh, versus kind of these more cartoonish avatars. That's what we're placing our bets. It's really interesting. Um... You know, and it brings me back to the the conversations that I have and have had over the 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 length of my career, where somebody somebody has a feeling that they can trust what somebody says or not trust what somebody says based upon their interaction, their nonverbals. Um, you know, I've had this conversation a number of times where somebody feels like I just don't trust what they told me. And then I tell them the exact same thing. They're like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm telling you the same thing, uh, but I'm, I'm telling it to you in person. I'm telling it to you in a way that, that you, can, you can understand how, you know, how and why and that sort of thing. And so I think about that in the context of scalability. You know, if you can make it you know, personal, if you can, if you can have the, the copy correct you know, and have kind of the right message that you want to send, but then just send it in the, in the way – that a person can interpret it uh, correctly could be a really powerful tool. Am I onto something there? You certainly are. Uh, so that's exactly right. We, we're taking information which is primarily text-based. So there's an endless amount of text of text uh, in the world, and particularly in the world of business. 
And this text often really gets overlooked. It doesn't get... Uh... <laughs> no. You read that entire handbook before you signed off on it. I know you did, Natalie. Don't, don't tell me. <laughs> and we know that people, I think this is a stat, it's a, uh, people digest uh, the meaning of text at sort of 10% compared with video, which is like 90%. So we know that messages can trans be transmitted more effectively uh, in video. So we've chosen video as, as our medium and we've chosen to make video really easy to make and bypass that whole process of being in a studio, uh, you know, having to, you know, have a videographer on hand, uh, having to have kind of all the crew on location at the same time and then kind of, you know, not just do that initial capture, but then also do the editing. We started with uh, really the virtual human aspect to, to basically remove friction to, um, in creating presenter-led video. But what we also found along the, along the journey um, to, uh, to where we are today is that video editing, once you've got you know, someone talking on a green screen, actually integrating the content, integrating the backgrounds, making the video look finished and polished and professional is actually almost just as challenging. And you, again, need video editors uh, and create a creative team to put that together. So the other thing that we've done is we've now launched recently, as I touched on earlier, these 3D immersive environments that actually have different shots uh, that would uh, make up a, a total edited professional video. And you're able to just select them from within the platform. So you can select close-ups, you can select pan shots, you can select from a bunch of different um, uh, sort of scenes and compose your video yourself without any skills very cool very cool so we could take this like we could like break the fourth wall here like i could take the transcript from this podcast i could put that into <laughs> hour one and then i wouldn't have to do any sort of video editing and i could have video without having to do video editing you might understand that's very true in <laughs> fact that, you know that youtube channel that you said that you didn't have yeah before, i don't you have could, a YouTube you could channel. now have that there you, you go you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna write that down, and, and uh, you know we'll, that that could be kind of uh, kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know. Well, along <laughs> along those lines, uh, if we want to just push that idea just a little bit, one of the things that you're able to do when you make content using code versus cameras is that you're able to edit that content endlessly. So if you need to, up, to update the text, or you wanted to even translate the whole video into a different language with the same virtual human uh, as the base of it, you you um, you can do that. So there's this kind of ultimate sort of flexibility. Then there's things that you can do uh, where you know, you're basically changing elements of, um, uh, of what that human being can deliver. So you're kind of breaking it down into different components, the voice, you can select your ideal voice, you can select your ideal languages, you can select your ideal personas, and you can kind of assemble your perfect representative essentially, for your business. So again, that kind of gets into sort of really kind of like interesting kind of out there territory, but we're already there in many ways. We've been doing Photoshop for you know, a couple of decades, I'm sure, at this point. Uh, Instagram filters and filtering apps are, are kind of the default these days. And this is almost taking it to just evolving that um, in the kind of professional world to in a way that is designed to help you make really polished 
uh, videos that look really good without the act, without actually you know having the manpower to do it. I would say the old school way, the analog way, and now with these digital tools, you're able to kind of uh, achieve that result or even a slightly more enhanced result uh, automatically. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, re- <laughs> it reminds me of um, you know a, a number of years ago, I was trying to. I was trying to find a low cost way to do some, some compliance training, you know, some, some sexual, sexual harassment and, you know, kind of policy training. And, and I had a, I had a PowerPoint, you know, we're HR people love our PowerPoints. And I thought, well, I'm just gonna like, I'll just go on to like the, you know, like some sort of recording software. I'll just record myself speaking over the PowerPoint and I'll like flip to the PowerPoint. I just need to like, like I can do this. I present all the time. This is going to be perfectly fine. And the amount of time it took me to go through, cause I kept screwing up and it was like, and then I couldn't really like, I didn't, I didn't have the editing capability to go back and cut it and reduce it and move it. And, and I ended up like the, the result of that project was I'm just going to go buy something off the shelf. And, but the problem with that is if you buy something off the shelf, it is impersonal it's not specific to your organization and it might not even really have the message that you feel like needs to be sent. It's going to check a box. Right. And so as I think about this, it's almost for me, it's like a, it's a nice in between where you, you do have something where you need to make sure the communication gets sent. Maybe it's a compliance message. Maybe it's a policy. Maybe it's just a, just some sort of a communication or update on something related to the business. Um, and you don't have time to do this on an individual level. You, it's it's kind of in the middle. That's 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 kind of how I see this. So it's it's really interesting. Yeah. So actually, interesting that you raised the point about trying to film yourself presenting a PowerPoint. <laughs> Sounds easy there, enough. There's but, a reason I don't have a YouTube channel, Natalie. Let's just put that one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and also, just when you're recording yourself, there's just this kind of self consciousness that kind of you yeah. don't have when talking live. It's just it's a weird thing. But because of that, and you're not the only person to have kind of suffered that, and it's not just that it's uncomfortable and the result isn't what you wanted. You spent time equip- basically reading a script, which you don't need a human brain and to, to be able to do. And so what we look to do is where, where, where are you spending your time as a professional where you don't need to be spending your time? Where could you be coming up with the content for that PowerPoint, the ideas for that PowerPoint, and then just have your virtual twin or another avatar narrate that for you. And they're all polished. They've been captured in really good lighting and makeup as relevant and all of that. So they're ready to go. (laughs) Um, And we actually recently launched a feature specifically for PowerPoint presentations. So you can upload your PowerPoint deck and easily format it to uh, a recording with an avatar essentially narrating uh, the deck for you. So you're not the only, you're not the only one. Fascinating. I'm just thinking, yeah, it, you know, for, for an organization like mine, where we don't have a full-time kind of professional training uh, person, you know, that it, it just seems like this, this could be a really interesting, you know, next step, or even if it's just supplemental so that you're not the one that has to do all of the orientation presentation. Maybe you do it for four hours and then you have four hours of on-demand videos that you're, your, your new inductees have to watch, right? You know, you could, yeah. you could structure a lot of different ways. Exactly. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. It's like, how do you create a library of on-demand content uh, that is high quality and that is designed to be revisited a lot and is almost made for on-demand 
because it's actually, you know, our attention spans for watching on demand, consuming on demand video are shorter than a live, even a live video experience. So we also aim to condense the information into uh, as much as possible and to make it as visual and rich as possible. And also when you're writing a script versus talking, you know, at, you know, uh, ad lib, you don't say the ums and the likes and the whatever it is. So actually it is more concise <laughs> and it's designed to be consumed on demand. And I think that is a great way to look at it. And I'll go back to my original point, which is that human face-to-face communication is still the best way to communicate. And it's what we model our technology and our product on. Uh, this is, you know, where this comes in is not to replace what you communicating, but it's to be able to take on some of the heavy lifting and generate more content, which is more, which is in the end, easy to make and also very easy and hopefully enjoyable to consume. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, you know, one of the things I want to talk about, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, um, and we'll, for anybody that's interested, we'll have a link in the show notes. You can you can pop it open, you can check it out, and and, and see what we're talking about. But um, it the the characters that you can choose from. So there's over a hundred characters, and I thought it was it was it was pretty telling that you've got a really diverse slate of characters. And and the first thing that I thought is, um, you know that that allows you to actually lean into our implicit biases a little bit. And kind of use your, you know, the halo effect uh, for your own purposes. It's almost like it's like leaning in <laughs> a little bit. So as you as you're like building out like what these avatars look like, and you're like you're building these options. Was that something that you considered? Kind of that the diversity element of of the trainer, the the avatar. Yeah, absolutely. So what we want to be and strive to be is really representative in the. Uh, virtual humans that we provide and that we want to be representative of the population. We want to be representative of the workforce. And we, so that's one thing. And then we also want to be able to provide, again, this is something that can be tricky uh, for an, for an organization of, you know, various size sizes is finding the right uh, combination and variation of representatives um, who are diverse in total. So we also aim to provide a large library and always building on this library of, of, of uh, avatars that represent different ages, different ethnicities, different genders. And that is something that we, you know, we've got another 50 avatars which will be coming out in the near future and we're continuing to push the envelope in, in that direction. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. It reminds me of the, we, we've, we've done some leadership training recently and, um, and we have a large, uh, large portion of our workforce in Southeast Asia. And when we went through the training, we had some talk about like business leaders. And so, so instead of having like, you know, Jeff Bezos, we had like Jack Ma, right. And it's like, and we like, we made sure that the, the pictures were, you know, kind of culturally appropriate and would be, and would resonate with, with, you know, the, the folks in that geographic, you know, part of the world. Um, so it, it's really interesting that, you know, you can kind of, you can customize, um, in that way. And, and my assumption is going back to what you said about code versus, uh, cameras, you know, you, you, you do have a little bit more flexibility to, to customize, uh, as many times as you need to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's a really important point about local, being able to localize your content. 
uh, victimized your learning materials, both in terms of the presenter, uh, but then also the imagery that you're using and the examples that you're pulling in either in the voice, uh, in the narrative, or as visual examples and rep representation. And then also the, the language component. So yeah, you know, in China, you could be delivering in Mandarin with the same avatar or a different avatar, or you could even let people pick their avatar. I mean, there's you know, many um, kinds of permutations. And then you can also keep your content fresh because let's say, you know, you've got some training content and it references something that happened this year. And, you know, a year has passed and that reference isn't the best reference or that reference is no longer a viable reference. And so you have the flexibility to keep your content fresh without having to kind of go through the entire process of starting again. Um, what I should say, though, and add is that we are not replacing people in many senses. First of all, uh, human face-to-face -face communication, as much of that as that is possible, should happen. Uh, and then also, in another respect, we're very human first in that all of our avatars, all of our virtual humans, are based on real people. And we have this really interesting business model. We're kind of building a new kind of economy here where everyday people, some of them, you know, might be actors in their real lives or, or they're not. You know, we've got all kinds of people just interested in this as a side hustle. And they uh, sign an agreement with our one. And they essentially make themselves, make their likeness, um, make their virtual self available for hire by brands who are, the, who are the clients, the customers of our one. So there's this really interesting kind of new economy building uh, where you can earn a passive income kind of as a virtual human, which is a sentence you probably wouldn't expected to hear a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, this is something that I personally find really fascinating. And we're actually really starting to see that pick up, not just in kind of our everyday 100 um, plus uh, library of kind of virtual humans, but we also have now kind of uh, influencers who are really interested in this space and thinking about how they can scale their presence. And if you're an influencer, your presence is really important. How can you start scaling that through their virtual twin? Uh, so again, like you, the influencer, you in person, that's like the number one prized experience, but you know, there's a long tail of, uh, exposure and engagement that, you know, others, uh, might be interested in. So yeah. Um, in fact, just, uh, last, you know, just very recently, uh, we have a futurist called Ian B. Graft and he, his virtual twin is actually, delivering on a weekly basis the futurist reports for a news company called Defiance Media. <laughs> As it's pretty wild, but this that's is... Pretty on, that's pretty on the nose there. The futurist <laughs> is using futuristic technology to deliver the futurist exactly, projections. Exactly. Kind of matching luggage kind of situation. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Yeah. That's fascinating. So, so what does that look like? So I have to fill out like a visual re resume to like start to make money off of my virtual AI likeness. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that is such a super cool sub economy kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, we had, and it's phenomenal how many people have signed up to be one of these uh, virtual humans. So, <laughs> uh, and now we're kind of getting going on enabling it at scale in a big way. It's, you know, it's really fascinating. I actually think, you know, is, you know, and we, we talk about 
kind of, you know, innovation in this space, um, innovation in the HR space. There's so many different ways that you could leverage this, um, you know, and, and, but we have to think a little bit differently about, you know, what human resources is. And I think about this as like, for me, like you said, the face-to-face stuff, you can't get rid of it, right? Like if I have to do some conflict management or mediation between two employees, I'm not going to have an AI, <laughs> you know, bot come in and be like, I, I feel like you are upset. Tell me about it. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you have to do that yourself. Yeah. But if I am delivering, you know, compliance training, or I'm helping an employee with a black and white, like, uh, you know, maybe there's an issue with getting logged into the system, or there's an, there's a question about time off, or there's a question about pay or benefits or, or handbooks or policies or travel or blah, blah, blah. Like, if you could leverage this tool, as long as you've got the documentation underneath it to support it, and somebody could have something that feels like a human interaction, and you could save yourself a ton of time. Because I know a lot of my day is spent dealing with some of those things that, you know what, these, these are like just small things, and it's like death by a thousand cuts. It's like, you know, eventually you just don't have enough minutes in the day to help everybody, uh, you know, the same way. That's totally right. It's like, exactly, it's the handbook thing, but reading an entire (laughs) handbook is just probably a pretty daunting prospect. Uh, But yeah, and so being able to dramatize that, and again, you don't need you to communicate that, but maybe you need to find a better way to surface the information. Right. And the best way to surface the information is maybe not you yourself communicating. So you're basically taking advantage of tools that we as human beings have at our disposal and the whole, you know, new sets of tools being developed all the time to help you kind of manage that better. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the corollaries that, that I was drawing, um, it, before I hit record was, you know, it's, we, we're seeing this everywhere. Like, you know, we're seeing this in media and, and movies and, you know, they're like digitally rendering people who uh, aren't even alive anymore. And, and, you know, in, in, in various, um, you know, productions, I'm curious, it, have you received any sort of pushback as as you've been you know working on this and kind of rolling out this this idea because i it's pretty groundbreaking i think to a lot of the a lot of your target customers what you know what have you heard there yeah i mean what we're doing is pretty disruptive so we expect uh pushbacks or skepticism certainly questions about what we're doing and how we're going about doing it um and you know like but is it real? How do you know it's real? Or is the fact that the human isn't real, like, does that matter? And I think it's a very, it's a really huge question. Uh, and it's a very interesting question. Uh, I think at the end, at the end of the day, um, what we need to do is build trust. And the building of the trust is to do with, in the case of uh, you know, a company that is leveraging virtual humans, isn't it's more like okay so do you trust that company to communicate in a way that is uh authentic and does that company want to find ways to communicate with you in a more effective way are they being transparent about the ways that they're trying to improve the way they communicate with you uh, are they does the technology actually improve things for everyone consent if it doesn't then question why is you know in both in both 
in bold caps. Uh, but if there is clear value, then I think people are actually just appreciative. And that's where adoption comes from. It's like, where are you actually solving problems? And, um, and so those are the, the places that, that we look for. And we've chosen the world of work uh, to focus on because we think there is a lot to be done to enable more effective communications. And we work with authenticated companies that you know, are uh, sort of established companies that operate within legitimate verticals. And so you know, we're, we're trying to kind of work with them to build solutions for better communication. So I think part of you know, why we work with companies and why we're not a consumer uh, product is that we think this is a really good place to prove value and to build trust. Um, but certainly, you know, always there's you know, people that you know, can be uh, not understand or have, you know, have their concerns about uh, the way, you know, content generation is going. But the fact of the matter is content generation is becoming more automated, whether you realize it or not, or whether you acknowledge it or not. So if you're familiar with Dali and Midjourney, which are these uh, incredible uh, AI platforms where you can insert words and a magically uh, the, a, a, an image, a completely fantastical, brilliant image uh, is rendered based on the words that you input into the platform. I mean, that is you know, incredible disruption in the way that we create stuff. But in the same, at the same time, it's just a new tool. We had the, we had the paintbrush, we had pencils, and these are just new tools. And so uh, the, the idea of, is that real? You know, yes, it is. It was just generated in a new way, which is pushing the boundaries on what you consider to be real. So I don't know. It's a very interesting uh, sort of space. I would say that the emergence of the metaverse in the last 18 months or so, in, at, you know, peak emergence, is definitely kind of removed a lot of skepticism almost automatically. Everyone just seems to have bought into the fact that there's this kind of interconnected virtual worlds that we're going to be inhabiting and people have really bought into that concept in quite a wholesale way. And if you can imagine that and you're comfortable with that, then I think that's really kind of, you know, helps to break down like, okay, well, what are the components that are leading to and building towards this metaverse? Part of it is virtual humans. I mean, you can pretty much not have uh, a metaverse without virtual humans to populate them. So very interesting times, I think, where we are with kind of blurriness, but also acceptance in a way that we have changed that we haven't seen um, for a while. No, it's fascinating. I love this conversation. We could stay on this for hours, but, you know, it's, um, I think it's a really important point. You know, I think, you know, there's a couple of things as you were talking, I think some really great points, you know, the whole question, like, is it real? We, we always say, you know, perception's reality, right? Especially in the world of HR, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what happened. It matters what somebody thinks happened right? <laughs> a lot of times. Um, and so, you know, the, the answer is, you know, is it real? I think the, the, the answer is, well, do you think it is? And if you think it is, then it's real to you. Um, and that is, kind of, that is kind of, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. That is kind of the world that we live in now. Um, I also think that, you know, as I think about my employees who are gamers or, or heavily involved in the virtual 
world. You know, there could be a generational component there. You know, having something like this actually could be a, a signal could, to them that your organization is innovative and is aware of these things and is open-minded to thinking differently and more effectively about how do we deliver communication content and, and those sorts of things. And, um, and I couldn't agree more. It, it all comes back to trust. You know, if, if you, if your actions don't, uh, don't reflect, you know, your values and then it doesn't matter what platform you use to communicate, you're going to struggle. <laughs> That's just, yeah. just do it. and that last point is very well said, I think. And it really is about authenticity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so if you are communicating authentically, uh, then, you know, you can communicate authentically, but using technology. So, um, so it's, yeah. So maybe a better question is, is it authentic or are we being authentic mm. mm-hmm. Then you know, kind of getting into the conversation about, but is it real? And what if people <laughs> don't think it's real and things like that, but is it authentic? And I think yeah. a lot goes into authenticity and a lot of that is, is branding and just trust built over time. Yeah. In that way, you don't have an existential crisis as you're sitting there, you know, racking your brain. About it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go and, you know, question my life now, but um, just absolutely wonderful conversation. I, I just, I love this approach. I love that you're pushing the boundaries and, and I, you know, I would just encourage, you know, for everybody that's listening out there to just think, think differently about how you deliver content and think about the, the types of things that you want people to have a personal touch, but don't have time to do, I guarantee you there's a lot of those, you know, that, that could be a potential application. So, uh, that being said, we're going to shift gears. We're going to go into the rebel HR flash round. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Question number one, where does HR need to rebel? So I say this as a non HR person (laughs) and with full humility, but I think, (laughs) um, in general, and maybe not this audience listening, but against itself, uh, I had a stat recently that it takes HR five to seven years longer to innovate than other functions. Mm. And so, you know, against itself, I would say for the broad body um, of HR uh, based on that stat, uh, but it really takes the pioneers and probably a lot of them are the ones that are listening to this podcast to drive that change. Absolutely. Five to seven years. That's uh, That's scary. I don't even like, I'm trying to think like, how much was different five years ago than today, right? And if we're not, if we're adapting that slowly, then, uh, you know, there's a call to action. So I think that's a really important perspective, especially from outside of HR. I think we need to hear that. So I appreciate you sharing that. All right. Question number two, who should we be listening to? So to contextualize this for, um, an HR relevant audience, uh, another slightly rebellious podcast in this space is chat and cheese. And, uh, so if, uh, you know, people aren't listening to that, definitely worth checking out in my opinion. Absolutely. And we, we can use all the innovators we can get if we're going to move that needle from five to seven years a little bit faster. Right. So appreciate you sharing that. All right. Last question. How can our listeners connect with you and learn more? You can find me on pretty much all the social platforms. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter as an app like that. You can certainly, uh, visit us at hour1.ai. And you can even try out a little a free video there if you if you like. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it, immediately after this, I'm gonna go like uh, like create my video and see what see what my airbrushed avatar looks like. I can't wait. So, 
I'm going to pick a better voice though. You know, I got to figure out what voice I want to pick, but uh, really, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll have all that information in the show notes. So open up your podcast player, uh, check it out. I encourage you to, to take a look. Natalie, I really appreciate you spending some time with us here uh, today. Some, some really cool stuff. And I appreciate you being on the cutting edge of communication. Thanks so much, Carl. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. That does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.